Hello, Mississippi and abroad. Welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC. Through the lens of Mississippi, I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined today by our Mississippi State writer, Dalton Middleton. Lots to talk about in the program today. Dalton, how you doing, man? Parrish, man, I'm all right. I'm a I'm about sick and tired of this rain, though. I'll tell you, it has not stopped raining. I feel like in a week, it's just uh, every day. It just it, it might stop for a few hours, and all of a sudden, it is just a storm. Just comes a flooding. So I'm, I'm about ready for that to be done with. Well, and it really kind of messed up the schedule in both of the regionals. Uh, but they got done. They got finished, and they got done on Monday, which is kind of uh, you know the last scheduled day for those uh, things anyway. So. Uh, how have you recovered, man? What was uh, what was your regional like down there? Yes, uh, the regional, uh, you know, it was despite what uh, Kale Baker tried to say. Um, I think uh, State, of course, obviously did have one of the easier regionals uh, that to play in. Uh, maybe not from a hitting standpoint. Uh, a lot of those those mid majors uh, can come out and swing it, as uh, you obviously saw a few years ago with uh, Tennessee Tech. Um, but they didn't have the pitching staff to hold up the state, obviously. Um, and so state goes uh, a pretty easy three and O, you know, beat each team once Samford on Friday, VCU on Saturday and Campbell on Monday um, to advance super regionals. Now they host Notre Dame. Um, for state, I feel like it was a pretty successful regional. Um, the pitching staff, you know, you got quality starts from two out of your three starters. Um, you know, Christian McLeod and Will Bedner both go, I think, six innings. Um, I think Bedner might have gone seven. Um, you know, they allowed a few runs here and there, but the quality starts nonetheless. And then, of course, on Sunday, um, Jackson Fristo doesn't even make it out of the first inning as a starter, but two relievers, Houston Harding, Landon Sims, pitch uh, eight combined innings and allowed two runs there. So, uh, you know, that's pretty, pretty good little pitching staff that they had this weekend, a pretty good little uh, – stat lines that they've, they've had all together. And then, um, you know, on the hitting side of things, uh, you saw a couple of guys that, you know, the guys that have been successful over the past month or so continue to be successful. You know, Rowdy Jordan, Tanner Allen, the real threats in the lineup um, continued to be threats. And then you saw a couple guys like Cameron James, who, uh, you know, had saw his average drop from probably about 300, 310 to 260 over the last month, month and a half, just in a huge slump parish. Um, you saw him come out, was named regional MVP, hit two home runs, two doubles, had a couple RBIs, had a good weekend. And you saw a couple guys in the lineup, um, Kellum Clark, Brad Cumbus, you know, not having too many hits, but had a couple of big hits. They had both had doubles. They both had home runs. Um, and, you know, if you have Cameron James heating back up and – and then you got a couple guys at the bottom of the lineup that are actually producing uh, that that Mississippi State lineup, uh, you know, goes from not very scary at all outside of the top two or three, um, to a pretty to a pretty uh, good lineup um, of hitters and, and can be a threat. Um, and then um, defensively, of course, they, I think they played airless baseball. If they if they made an error, it was just one. Um, so a pretty good weekend overall for Mississippi State over there. Um, I'm sure they're not complaining too much. You know, they got, they're going to have a little tough one here with Notre Dame coming to town. But uh, the regional was a uh, it was a clean sweep for them. You know, every everything was firing on all cylinders. Well, I know that uh, Kale Baker was trying to give us the uh, politically uh, correct answer here, and I know that all his coaches would have been uh, 
would have been proud of him because that was certainly uh, some class A coach speak there. But what's he going to say? You know, it would it would not have been very uh, sportsmanlike for Kale to s- sit there and, and rip the regional. And here's the thing, Dalton. Okay, Mississippi State had a great season, uh, got a national seed. You know, this this top seeds are awarded are rewarded right. with, in theory, uh, lesser teams in the field of 64. Um, that being said, man, and we talked about it before, you just you just don't know. You, I couldn't look at that regional uh, beforehand and tell you that it was going to be uh, a lame field of teams, okay? right. because I've seen mid-majors come in and play really well. Okay, uh, I've seen – St. Louis come in with a really strong ace. Certainly, Tennessee Tech, uh, Western Kentucky back in the day. So I wasn't going to write off uh, Campbell or uh, or VCU. I did question it though, and it certainly uh, deserved to be questioned. It was, uh, you know, it was just not uh, not as strong a field as uh, as a lower seeded Ole Miss team uh, had to really fight to uh, get there. I think that Oxford Regional uh, turned out to be. Uh, as strong as uh, as everybody thought it was going in. Hey, we'll talk some more about that, man. Let's get to uh, Oxford Park Commission. We certainly want to thank our sponsor for coming along for the ride. Uh, lots of things going on at OPC this summer. And uh, young folks ages 5 to 15 can develop their basketball talent at IHOOP and OPC camp with former Ole Miss women's basketball standout Erica Sisk. Those sessions are going on right now throughout June and July. Uh, Ages 5 to 10 work from 5.45 to 6.30. Ages 11 to 15 from 6.30 to 7.45. That's every Tuesday and Wednesday in June and July. Cost is $150 a month. And Bollywood dancing, a a native to India dance. Uh, Kids ages 7 to 12 are meeting from 5 to 6 on Tuesdays and Thursdays through June 24th. And again, from July 6th to 29th, adult classes are from 6.30 to 7.30 through June 23rd. And again, from July 5 to 28th, cost is $60 for kids, $65 for adults. Dalton, you and I, this is, this is where we line up. This is where we, I think we could take advantage of OPC here at the uh, Water Polo Skills Camp. Uh, that's coming up June 19 to 20, July 22 to 23. The only problem here is ages 12 to 18, so that knocks us out. But uh, that's uh, that interests me, water polo. I don't know how much uh, of that we have going on down here, but uh, that sounds like uh, something I would enjoy. you got to be an experienced swimmer. Cost is $40. For more information on these programs and many more, visit OxfordParkCommission.com. Uh, let's talk about that Starkville Regional a little bit. So it, it wasn't loaded with the mid-majors that uh, we've seen come through in some other regionals in the past. Uh, VCU, what I heard, uh, Dalton, was 22 straight wins. Well, that that sounds okay, but it, immediately it, it brings you to the conference and the opposition and how, how you got to 22 straight wins. Um, what was your assessment of VCU, the number two seed? I mean, what what were they lacking that uh, might have made that field a little stronger? Uh, well, it, it's kind of the same thing for um, for every team, honestly, Parrish, what they were lacking, and that was just pitching depth. Um, VCU uh, had a pretty good ace. You know, they, they their first game, I think they beat Campbell um, 
19 to four, I believe was what that final score was. Um, and then after that, you know, um, the second game, you know, state scored 16 on them to break their little 22 game win streak. And then I think this, this third game, um, Campbell beat them 19 to 10. So, you know, they, they went from allowing four runs in the very first game to allowing 16 to 19. Um, and so you just saw that the, the pitching depth just go down real fast for VCU. They had a couple of hitters. You know, their catcher was really, really good. Um, he was a really good player. They had a couple of individual players that were really good, could really swing the bats. Um, but, yeah, the, the pitching depth just wasn't there. You know, once you get past that first guy and then maybe the second guy that pitched against State early in the game until about the, until you get into the, the bullpen there, um, they were uh, they were, they were pretty um, overmatched. Matched once you got once state got them into the bullpen and that's where you saw states most of state scoring come from you know it was a in that second game it was six four when the starter got pulled in uh they put a reliever or their second reliever in or something along those lines um and when they put him in you know i don't remember his name but state scored nine runs off him in one inning and i think you know at that point once they started scoring runs i think it was a uh matter of trying to throw this kid as long as they can so they can reserve the uh, reserve their arms for the next game um because they were already down you know by you know five six seven runs with a pretty good pitching staff on the Missouri State side um and and so that's what I felt like was lacking the most for them um they were pretty clean in the field you know they 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 could swing the ball maybe not as much power as a uh, as Campbell or Samford did and uh that's where, that's where they lost it was, you know, once you got away from their one or two starters who had to throw a lot of in, through a lot of pitches so they can get through the first couple of games, um, they just couldn't compete. They just couldn't hold up. There was not, not strong enough pitching to, uh, to outlast an SEC school for sure. I thought the pitching was really uh, highlighted in, uh, in the Oxford Regional. Even in, in the first game, Ole Miss hit him well that uh, – the number one starter, Dylan Dodd, the left-hander from Southeast Missouri State, um, he came in, you know, having pitched well against some strong opponents, uh, also. And and you've seen that guy come in before. You know, every team has that guy, as you mentioned. It's usually about depth. Usually, there's a frontline starter who is very good. And I thought Ole Miss did a good job of of hitting uh, Dylan Dodd with ten hits, six runs, got him a little rattled. I thought. Uh, uh, in the environment, he had not – he'd walked very few people uh, during the year, and he walked three uh, against uh, Ole Miss. But after that, uh, Florida State and uh, and Southern Miss both had quality arms, both had depth, both had pitchers beyond um, that first guy. Uh, and Ole Miss had to fight to win a 4-3 to three game on Saturday to go 2-0. and in that regional, it was uh, it was an effort. It took an error by Florida State in the eighth uh, to really get uh, the decisive two runs home. Um, this is where I thought Ole Miss would be lacking Dalton, and their pitching depth really did turn out to be problematic. They got a great game uh, from Doug Nikhazy in that Saturday spot, holding the ace. Uh, we talked about it last week; it, it worked out. Uh, Ole Miss got enough pitching uh, from Derek Diamond. Uh, to beat Southeast Missouri, uh, six to three in that game. He wasn't the sharpest that he's ever been, uh, but he kept the ball in the park. And as the regional played out, that looking back, that was no small achievement. Uh, when he missed, he was low in the zone, so those guys weren't fixing to crank it out of there. Uh, they ran his pitch count up high. He didn't command his 
breaking stuff. So, uh, you know, he had a couple of walks in there. I uh, went to a lot of three-two counts, a lot of foul balls. I really, you know, just got that pitch count up high, and he was gone at four and a third innings. But he kept it low in the zone. When he did miss, uh, it was low, and uh, and that worked well for Ole Miss in that first game. Nikhazy, 16 strikeouts. Taylor Broadway closes the door against Florida State. Uh, they got enough runs, enough hits, uh, really only four hits, but, um, you know, they, they got the runs across. And, and then we saw it kind of uh, the pitching depth that we knew was, uh, was not there uh, for Ole Miss showed up. Uh, Drew McDaniel had a, uh, had a very short start, didn't get out of the first inning in that first game against Southern Miss on, uh, on Sunday. And, look, it just uh, it got away from them. And uh, when the Eagles scored seven in the first, uh, they were just behind the eight ball. They got, got some good innings out of Tyler Myers, and they kind of held it close. But, you know, you get beat around like that. That's going to be uh, an issue, and it's going to be a tough assignment for Ole Miss against Arizona. Um, the folks who complain about Mike Bianco's record in Super Regionals might have one more to add. Uh, to their argument this time. Uh, but, you know, you play the games and you go out there and you see how it comes out. But uh, Ole Miss was able to get a lot of things done with smoke and mirrors when they lost uh, Tim Elko for a long stretch. Uh, now that they've lost Gunnar Hoagland, uh, it's going to be tough against an Arizona team with a lot of power, a lot of speed, a very offensive team uh, there in Tucson. Uh, maybe Ole Miss can also – take advantage of that uh, mountain air as well. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing the ball flies a little bit there, but that's what it's going to have to be. It's always, it's always been about the offense for Ole Miss in postseason, and they got that offense on Monday uh, in that 12-9 to win. Huge start, uh, early 9 to nothing lead. 11 home runs in that game, Dalton. I've never seen the ball fly out of the park like that the way it did uh, against Southern Miss in that decisive game on Monday. But it'll take that for Ole Miss against uh, Arizona. It'll be to win with uh, Nikhazy. You've got to win the Nikhazy game, and then you got to outscore them. you got to outscore them in, in one of those other two games. And, and we'll see. Arizona had some pretty good pitching uh, over the weekend, winning the Tucson Regional as well. But 11 home runs, man. Just never seen the ball fly out, even a Swayze feel like that, which – you know, is a home run hitter's park, more so than Duty Noble and some other places in the conference. But anything that got up in the air on uh, Monday was just gone. Most, you know, to left field, certainly. Right. Uh, there was some fly balls, man. You look at it and think, uh, you know, that's going to be caught and, and, it, and it just just carried on out. Well, Pierce, let me ask you something. You, you mentioned the second ghost that you got to win the Nikhazy game. Um, and, and I completely agree to win the series. Of course, Doug has, Doug has to win his game. You know, he pitched Saturday, 120 pitches, comes back on Monday, throws 30, 40, however many it was. Um, yeah. Do you think Nikhazy starts again on Friday or do you think they'll hold him until Saturday? Because I think it's kind of an interesting uh, dynamic or, uh, I guess, decision that they face there, either let him go on pretty short rest or, you know, just hold him for an extra day and, and risk losing that game one. Yeah, I, I think the question that Mike Bianco has to answer, it's, it's not necessarily to me, it's not the, the rest between Monday and Friday. 
Okay. When I look at this, I, I know that these college pitchers, we get used to seeing them, these starters, one time a week. Okay. I think the body can handle more than that. Uh, one time a week is not the rotation that these major league teams are on. What are they? Four days, five days. It's yeah, kinda... most are, most are five, but there's a few teams that do every uh, four four man rotations. So it's it's a four or five day rotation at the next level, a level that at which he'll be pitching pretty soon, I think. Um, so going from a, a Monday to a Friday, I, I think he could do that, but it's the cumulative effect. It's uh, going from a uh, Saturday, Monday, Friday. It would be it would be his third appearance in seven days. You know that cumulative effect. So maybe maybe you do hold him a day. Uh, maybe he could do it on Friday, but he could probably do it better on Saturday. And so uh, you you got to win one of those games. Uh, maybe the, maybe your piece it together game uh, is in game one with uh, Diamond and, and some people behind him. But uh, it's going to come down to offense. Uh, Arizona had uh, got three good starts uh, in its regional. Uh, they're not going to – look, you, you get to this level, we've talked about it. Uh, this At this level, teams have elite pitching, most teams. Okay, they, they have, They're going to have above average. They're going to have very good pitching, and they're going to have the depth that, uh, that you didn't see uh, in the Starkville regional. You know, I saw some of that depth. Uh, I thought uh, the Southern Miss bullpen, when, when those guys coming into the regional, the story was kind of really, for them, was how they had underachieved a little bit. But uh, they got uh, a couple of really great performances uh, from Ryan Ock, uh, who was really kind of their guys. He'd be their Kevin Cops. You know, they're just put him in, he can go a long time. You know, that that kind of reliever, uh, great outing from him against uh, Florida State. Um, and, uh, look, this, uh, this Tanner Hall that, uh, that threw against Ole Miss on, um, in the, in the Sunday game, you know, the Sunday game, look, you win the first two games in the regional, you have that pitching advantage one time and, and that Sunday and Ole Miss didn't take advantage of that, uh, because Hall came in and, and really did a number, uh, uh, on the rebels for about four or five innings there. So they, they had two really great bullpen performances. They they showed more depth than uh, they acted like they had. I, I just heard some concern about the bullpen. It, and Scott Barry took uh, measures to show that he was concerned when he threw his uh, game three starter, Ben Etheridge, for 40 pitches uh, in that first game in their regional opener against Florida State. He pulled his number three starter you know, out and gave him a relief appearance. So when it came time for Etheridge to start, when they really needed him against uh, Ole Miss in that winner-take-all game, he wasn't as sharp as he probably usually is. But uh, that's that day, you know, that, uh, hey, everybody's back's against the wall, season's about to end, where you pull out the stops and, and you're going to use Doug Nikhazy. You know, all of those starting pitchers that we had seen before, so many of them threw on that last day. Uh, Southern used all three – or well, they played four conference games. They they used three of their regular season weekend starters. Like I said, Etheridge didn't start a regional game, but Hunter Stanley and Walker Powell had. You know those guys threw against Ole Miss in that last game. So did Etheridge. Uh, Derek Diamond threw in the game against Southern after starting against Southeast Missouri. It's just one of those games. So when do you use Nikhazy? I don't know. I think if you use him Saturday, 
if you hold him for the second game, then he, he would be a better version of Doug McCasey. He would be at his best. He could probably get it done and be competitive and give you a long start on Friday, probably be a little bit better on uh, Saturday. Right. And I agree completely with that. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I guess going back to States Super Regional this weekend, um, you, know, you mentioned that this one in Arizona, you know, might be some might be some offense. I think uh, State's going to need some offense this weekend as well. And you look at Notre Dame last weekend, you know, they – you know, I, I know there was some uh, – I guess some criticism for Notre Dame, you know, going into the selection show. You know, they played conference only basically over there in the ACC, which was a weaker season for the – weaker year for the ACC. Um, and, you know, they dropped from, what, number six to number ten right there just on selection show day. I guess they didn't believe in the strength of schedule there. Um, but they came out in the regional, outscored their opponents. I think it was fifty to five. You know, they they won one game, twenty six to three. Scored fifty games, fifty runs in three games. Um, and now State's going to host them. Of course, obviously, you know that's going to be that's going to be offensive game. You know, or or and State might have to you know outscore them there. But like you mentioned earlier, you know, Duty Noble's not quite as a home run hitters park or offensive friendly park as some of the others like Swayze Field is. And then also, you know. State's starting pitching might have struggled, but you know I I, I still I do still think that the starting pitcher is good. Starting pitching is good enough to um you know give Mississippi State a quality start and let them leave with the lead um before the bullpen, of course, which is the strength, comes in and, and can close out games. And so uh, you know I'm, I'm kind of looking at this Notre Dame team. I'm not real sure what to make of them because I was not impressed with them during the regular season at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, they come out in the regional and just, you know, score 50 runs in three games. That's against some decent teams. Um, and that's nothing to turn your head at. So I, I'm not, I'm kind of, I'm kind of torn parish on, on what I think about, uh, about this Notre Dame squad, but we're going to see in Starkville, I guess this weekend, see if that offense holds up and, uh, and if Notre Dame scores the same amount of runs they did, uh, last weekend. Well, you know what? I know that, uh, I keep hearing Notre Dame and strength of schedule and, and how that wasn't all that impressive. My first thought uh, when, um, when, when I looked at Notre Dame and I started looking at the schedule was how many, how many games they played against ACC. ACC is usually one of the strongest conferences, and I'm looking at, uh, at the numbers now, and I see it's uh, the number three conference in terms of RPI. That changed. At some point I was checking this out in, in the ACC – was the number two RPI conference. So that at some point uh, uh, recently, I think, uh, has been adjusted. But uh, So maybe they, they are down a little bit, but there's still quality teams in there. Uh, I know it wasn't a great uh, Louisville season, but uh, North Carolina State uh, won its regional. Uh, I know uh, Georgia Tech, uh, uh, Miami, there, there are some good teams that they had to play and, and obviously played them a lot. Um I think anytime, and even if it's down a little bit, when you talk about an ACC only schedule, I think you've accomplished something. I think that's uh, that's that's significant, and and you forget about this. I mean, you know, we kind of went through the baseball season uh, with very mild COVID nineteen flare ups. Didn't really have you know a start and stop uh, like football experienced or or. Uh, a lot of basketball teams did, and you kind of forget about that. I, I'd forgotten about COVID nineteen really until I uh, started checking out some of these uh, postseason possible opponents and, and saw all these 
ACC teams, and that was their approach. That was the conference's approach that they were going to all play one another. I, I think it's uh, significant that they they played uh, basically an only conference schedule, and Notre Dame really showed out uh, in its regional. So uh, who all was in its regional? I, I didn't hear that bunch being criticized in the way that the Starkville regional was, but I also don't think it was like uh, – one of the stronger fields here. Let's uh, let's see who all was. Yeah, uh, it was uh, Notre Dame, Central Michigan, Michigan, and UConn. So not a not a necessarily super strong regional, but not weak by any means. Yeah. You know, uh, and so that you know what they did was really impressive. Yeah. So Central Michigan was a forty-one win team, uh, a forty-nine RPI. Uh, you know, so a, a one ninety-four strength of schedule, but. Uh, Look, man, uh, you just you, you can't make uh, every regional uh, meet everyone's expectations. And the bottom line is, again, uh, your seeding is a reward for your regular season. So anyway, that's uh, that's water under the boat. Uh, in hindsight, uh, the Starkville Regional uh, was what many people said it would be. Uh, it was not uh, an exceptionally strong field. And the Oxford Regional was what many people thought it would be. It was a very strong field. So we'll see. Uh, Ole Miss has got a hit. They got to win the Nikhazy game. Uh, they'll be underdogs, uh, but there'll be a lot of red and blue around because they're playing Arizona, a lot of red and navy. So maybe uh, maybe that'll offset some things. We'll see if they can uh, pull that out and uh, and state playing at home. I, I covered uh, state of Notre Dame uh, in that Starkville Regional back in two thousand, and that was. Uh, it's kind of neat uh, to, to – uh, Notre Dame was kind of up and coming in baseball at that time. Paul Maneri uh, was the coach. But uh, they've, you know, they're a little more of a – they got a little more baseball history now. So we'll see how it shakes out. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left, scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well, Ole Miss Discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State Discussion with Dalton Middleton. Lots of good things in those groups. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.